on the 10th of the month, the money's in my account. So fast forward to 2020, it was interesting. So I still own a lot of these properties. And it was interesting because a lot of my friends who are investors, their tenants stopped paying rent. And on the 10th of the month, every month, the city of Detroit deposits their money. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E. You're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm here with today's guest, Anthony Mann. Anthony is joining us from Huntington, New York. He is the CEO of Social Strategy and has 13 years of investing experience. Anthony, you've got a portfolio that consists of 200 flips, and you currently own 42 properties. Before we get started, tell us a little bit about your background and what you're focused on now. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Um, So I got started in the industry right out of school. My parents have been in the real estate business for over 40 years. My dad's been an agent on the REMAX office for a long time. 
it was a really natural progression for me to get into the business. So the school for econ came out of school, got my license, started, got my license, I guess, in June of 2007. So I basically walked into the worst market ever, right? Those first couple months were great. I sold a couple houses and I was totally hooked on the commission that I was making. And unfortunately, within nine, 10 months, the whole world basically fell apart in 2008, right? There was vacancies everywhere and people weren't selling their homes and people were underwater. And I realized that selling individual residential properties was just not going to do it for me. I actually happened to love the commercial side of real estate even more than I liked residential. And so that was where my focus was. And if anybody was around in 2008 in the market, you know that there was vacancies and people couldn't sell their buildings. And it was just a total mess in 2008. And I quickly realized that selling individual properties, whether commercial or residential, was just not going to be a way for me to make any sort of money. So I got on the phones and I started calling every single, they're called vendor managers and they work at every major bank in the country. And they're the people who handle REO listings or foreclosure listings. So I spent six months literally calling and calling and calling. And I tell the story all the time. So about six months go by and I'm calling. I haven't gotten a single listing. I haven't made a sale and I'm just on the phone. So I called the same guy every day. I don't mention his name ever, but he was the one who got me into the business. And, and basically I called him every day between 12 and 1215. And it was to a point where he'd be like, Anthony, I don't have anything for you today. And he'd just hang up on me. So it was like a running joke. And one day he picked up the phone. He's like, Anthony, it's your lucky day. And I'm like, oh my God, he's about to give me a listing. So he's like, listen, I'm pissed at this agent. There's another agent in my market. There's only about 15 guys who handle all the REOs in my market. He's like, I'm going to give you 30 days to sell this listing. I'm taking it away from this guy. You got 30 days. I was like, all right, listen, if I can't sell in 30 days, I'll buy it myself. Consider this thing sold. So typical agent fashion, a week later, you would do an open house and we get a couple offers and immediately the thing sells. So that was my first foray into working with an investor and watching them purchase a house, rehab the house, and then flip that house. And I got the listing back and that got me into the investing side of the business. I was like, wow, there's this whole other side of the business that I didn't even know existed. I didn't know that there was this much money that can exist on this side. So Fast forward about a year. In 2009, I did my first flip. It was about a year after that. And that property we sold, I bought it. It was sold literally after we bought it, I think 42 days later from the time we purchased to rehab, to new contract, the title being done to sale. It was about 42 days and we made $193,000 on that flip. And it was the coolest experience I've ever had. And I thought making a ten dollars or $12,000 commission being an agent was cool. But when I saw almost 200 grand come in on a single flip, I was a whole other level of hooked on investing. So tell me more about that deal. What was the purchase price? This deal was crazy, right? I had a few dollars in the bank, but I didn't have a couple hundred thousand bucks. I was able to get by and pay my rent. So the purchase price of this property, all said and done, including closing costs, was 525000 okay? So all I had was the down payment of that property. I think I put $5,000 down. Again, I'm 23 years old. It was all the money in the world to me. So I get into contract and I'm like, all right, well, now I got to go find the money. And so took me a little bit, but I wound up finding a guy who literally walked into closing that day with a certified check for $525,000. And the rest is kind of history. He made a really nice interest rate on it. Obviously, I didn't realize $193,000. There was a lot of cost that went into that. But yeah, we wound up selling that property about two weeks. We had very minor rehab on it. We did some paint. We changed the appliances out. The house was great. It was just really undervalued. And then someone gave us an offer for, I think it was like 740-ish thousand. And then they wound up doing inspection and they wanted like 20 grand-ish worth of issues on the credits, no problem. And that property closed shortly after that. It was absolutely insane the way the whole deal went down. 
Okay, so that's an incredible win. You went from a mindset of six months of probably doubting yourself, wondering what you're doing, being persistent nonetheless, and then you have this incredible win. What are your next steps? Because right now you're on cloud nine. I mean, you're loving life. Things are good. So that's what got me into the holding business. So now I had a real chunk of change in the bank and I said, okay, I really don't want to be taxed on this money. Just give half of it away to the government. So what can I do with it? So the first thing I did, and this is again, back in 2009 was I was on Zillow at the time. Cause that's really where you can find properties in other areas. You could call an agent, but there was no easy way to search online. So I found literally blocks of property, eight, 10 properties per block in Detroit, Michigan, going for $2,000 a property. So I was like, this could be cool. What if I can go get 10, 20 properties, do some minor rehabs, and then section eight them back to the city of Detroit. So that's what we did, right? So we bought blocks of property and we went in, we did very minor rehabs on them, made them up to code for section eight. And we approached the city of Detroit and we said, hey, listen, we have these properties. We've got them up to what you're looking for. Can you send an inspector out there? We'd love to rent these to people as section eight properties. And People at the time, they're like, you're crazy. Don't do section eight. You can make more money. Why would you ever do that? And I looked at it and I was like, what am I going to make an extra hundred bucks per property, $150 per property? We're doing two things here, right? We're helping people who don't have homes and we're guaranteed our income. I'm never worried about the city of Detroit paying their bills, right? They've never been late. On the 10th of the month, the money's in my account. So fast forward to 2020, it was interesting. So I still own a lot of these properties. And it was interesting because a lot of my friends who are investors, their tenants, stop paying rent and we can't afford it. We lost our jobs. And on the 10th of the month, every month, the city of Detroit deposits their money. So it was one of those things where I almost gave up a little bit of income in the short term to be guaranteed income for the rest of my life. So that's basically what I did with that money. And that's propelled me into purchasing more and more and more property across the country. All right. I've got a lot of questions for you just based on that. So let's back up a little bit. You purchased blocks of properties. How do you purchase a block of property? Literally, that's how they were being sold. They would be like 10 properties, $12,000. And I was like, per property? No, no, 10,000 or 12,000 total. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. (laughs) And you're leveraging your experience calling these bank what was the word for the bank person? They were called vendor managers at the time. So they have a very specific language that they speak. So if you understand their language, they don't mind having a conversation with you. So the way we got through to that was we were able to identify the properties we wanted. I was able to identify the bank. And then by this time, I was about a year and a half in the foreclosure business. I had contacts at every major bank in the country. So now I'm calling the person at that bank that I already have a relationship with. They answer the phone for me and I'm like, hey, I'm interested in doing this. They'd be like, hey, call John Smith at this desk. They'll take care of you. So I call that person. I'm like, hey, this person just referred me over to you. I'm looking to do this. And he's like, sure, I'll send you the list. I'll send you the price out. And literally those deals got done in three or four days. It was the quickest thing you could ever imagine. And you're still in New York at this time, right? So all of this is being done remotely. Completely remote. To this day, I haven't even seen every single one of those properties. Okay. I'm baffled here. (laughs) Explain to me, by the way, it's awesome that you leveraged those six months. You were actually building your database and building a rapport with all of these vendor managers. So explain to me the challenges in buying blocks of properties, getting them rehabbed, getting Section 8 tenants in there. I want to hear all about it. 
really what it came down to was my biggest concern was what's the rehab going to cost, right? Because we only had a certain amount per property that we were willing to do. And obviously Detroit, Michigan, especially at that time, the rents are not $3,000 a month, right? The rents are $700 a property. They're not huge rents. So granted taxes are very low there. I think the taxes are $1,100 a year, $1,200 a year per property. They're, They're small taxes, but there's not a huge amount of income per property. So we have to make sure that we don't overspend on the rehab. And that was my biggest concern. I had inspectors go out. I wanted to make sure there's no foundation issues. Roof didn't need to be replaced within the next two years. There were certain things that I was very cognizant about because I had the experience in the REO side of the business. And I looked at what my investors were concerned about. They became my concerns when I started purchasing my own property. So I had inspectors out there. I have property management companies that basically handled the day-to-day. They hired their friends and family and people they knew that were good contractors. And those people did the work. And again, this is 2009 when there's a ton of people out of work, right? It's very similar to the 2020 we were just in where there's millions and millions of people out of work, right? It was a huge financial crisis. So I didn't care who we were hiring as long as they were insured and they were doing good work. I was like, these got to be up to code. We have to get them approved by a Section 8 inspector. So those rehabs took a couple months and we did it property after property, right? We did one property, we'd get inspector to come in, we'd get it rented out and the next property ready. And so we did it one by one by one. It took months to do, but... Over time, it was just clockwork. We knew what to expect, how long the rehabs were going to take, how long the inspections were going to take, what we can almost guarantee that the inspector is going to say when they come in. We were just proactive about it. We developed a relationship even with the city of Detroit because we knew what they wanted and what they expected. Anthony, who is we? I'd say we is my company, the okay. people that I work with. So me as the owner of the company, my property managers, my inspectors, my real estate agents that work with me. When I say we, it's the collective of all the people that basically make this happen. Okay. So you built a team to help you manage, acquire, and deal with all of these properties. So what was your next step after that? I was still selling real estate on Long Island. We were growing and growing like crazy. By 2010, we were selling 250 properties a year. We were a powerhouse on the REO side. But 2013, 2014 was rolling around. And I quickly realized that as a mid 20 year old guy, I was 24, 25 years old. I didn't want to be telling people, walking up to their homes and telling them news they already knew, right? They haven't paid their mortgages in two years. The sheriff's going to show up any day and I can offer you $3,000 to move out in 30 days. It gets really old really quick. And I said to myself, the money's good, but I don't want to do this for the next 40 years. So I started looking at ways that I can get out of that side of the business. And while we still do some business with certain banks, we certainly don't do nearly the volume that we used to. So I got more into the investing side and I actually started a real estate tech company in 2014. Real funny story. So I get a property that's totally undervalued in Dix Hills, New York. And if anybody knows where that is, very nice area in New York. It's about $300,000 undervalued. And I do an open house. I used to do one hour open houses because I was like, people are either going to come or they're not going to come. So this one, this is going to be a wild open house. We have 70, 80 investors show up to this open house in an hour. There's people everywhere. People are signing in. I'm like an idiot. I got this piece of paper that people are writing their name, their phone number, email address. So hour and a half goes by. Everybody's gone. I'm going down the Long Island Expressway. I'm doing 70 miles an hour. The window's down. It's probably like May. Get the window's down. And no joke, these pieces of paper catch the wind and go flying out the window. Like, Ouch. gone. And I'm doing 70 miles an hour in the LA. You're not stopping. You're not getting these paper back ever. And I was like, well... This is dumb. So I'm mad at myself the whole way home. I'm like, how am I this young? And I'm using a pen and paper. What am I thinking? There's got to be an app for this. And the app store was there. There's apps, but it wasn't like it is today where there's an app for everything. So I get home and I'm starting to look. I'm like, open house app, open house ledger, open going through. And I find a couple. And I've always been a CRM guy. 
I have a database of people that I've talked to since 2007. I can go back to the first person I ever spoke to in my database. And I was, why wouldn't somebody create a simple product that would just push the information into my CRM? I don't need it to do anything except collect information, push it into my CRM. Very simple product. And it wasn't available. The only products that were out were self-contained, meaning if I used it to sign in, the only place I can see those records is if I go into that app and I go look in there and that's fine. Except if you have two or three iPads at the same open house, now you have two or three iPads that you have to look for people that signed at the open houses. They didn't sync across each other. So I was like, you know what? This is crazy. We got to do something about this. And so I basically made that app. It was called AM Open House. It was 2014. And we launched that 90 days later. So July 14th of 2014, we launched that app and it was kind of an instant hit. We had about a couple hundred users the first month. We were up to a thousand after a couple months. By the end of the year, we're at 5,000. And by the end of the next year, we had over 125,000 people across the country in Canada using that app. So I started to find ways to leverage my previous experience of being in real estate, being an agent, being an investor to saying, how can I start to develop technology that agents can use to better their business? I never wanted to be the person to replace any single product. I just wanted you to be able to insert what we offered into what you already have and make no additional changes to your business. So you sound like somebody that doesn't sit still and you move on from one challenge to the next. Do the fix and flips and the real estate deals, does that still excite you today? Yeah, the flips are totally exciting. Obviously, the rentals are exciting too. It's great to add income and whatnot, but the flips are definitely exciting. Especially right now, the markets are out of control. You can't even buy property right now. It's so insane with the where the numbers are. So when we get a property now, it's that much more exciting. It's like, well, we got one we can actually make money on. And what are you doing now to find these deals? We're just putting in tons of offers. We have people out there sending us listings every day. And if the numbers make sense, we just throw offers in. But for every hundred offers we put in, we get 99 people who say no. And we expect that, especially in today's market. It's probably even higher than that. It's probably for every 150 we're putting in, we're getting one right now. It's just a crazy market. I have a client in San Diego and he sold a house for $300,000 over asking price. What do you mean $300,000 over asking price? And that's unfortunately the market we're dealing with right now. So once it levels off, I think the fix and flip market will come back pretty strong. But right now people are trying to move out of the city and, and home sales are just absolutely incredible. And how do you find a competitive edge when you're putting these offers in? Because you're we're, one of many offers. Yeah, we're, What do we're you know? Right? Okay. At the and, end of the day, we're numbers, right? If the numbers work, we're glad to take it. No contingencies, all cash, all that stuff, right? But if they don't, even if it's $5 more, if the numbers don't work, the numbers don't work. We're pretty strict about our criteria. And where do you get your data from to evaluate these properties? We have agents that we partner with in every market that we purchase in. So we leverage them. And when there's a good deal out there, we have them send us all the comps that we need. And again, we're very specific. If it's a cape or if it's a split, don't send me colonials to comp that against. Be real. I don't care if it's a year old or six months old, but get me real comps so I can get a real number. And the agents know that after we rehab them, they're going to get the listings back. They're going to get all those things. So they don't want to fight the relationship to make five extra grand, right? It doesn't matter to them because they have a lot more on the back end coming to them. As long as they do right by us, we'll always do right by them. So you're leveraging all of your relationships, which is originally what got you successful in the first place. Correct. The six months of building relationships. Yep. And that's been the theme throughout your investing career. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. So what's in the future? If you think the market's superheated now, yep. obviously the market's going to calm down at some point. Yep. How do you adjust your strategy and what's next? 
But I think there's two parts to that, right? I think that the market's going to level off, if not end of 2021, I think early 2022. I think we got some time in this market still. Inventory is super tight. I think there's 42 days worth of inventory across the country right now. So for anybody who follows those numbers, typically there's four months worth of inventory. So there's about a third of that available, which is why prices are being driven up. But when inventory levels do come back up and prices start to level off, I think that's going to be coupled with interest rates going up. So I think we're going to see a decrease in home value relatively quickly after we level off as well. And let's hope the stock market stays where it is. But how do we pivot from that? We've been very structured since 2009, 2010, when we really started doing this. So to say that we'll pivot, I don't necessarily know that we will. We still want to know what's it going to sell for? What can we afford to buy it for? How much the recap cost? I don't think that's going to matter. Where I think things are going to change is things like the costs of the rehabs. So right now, lumber costs are up 80% from where they were a year ago. That makes a huge difference. $10,000 now is $18,000, right? That's a massive difference in what it costs to redo a basement, let's say, or take down walls and reconfigure a living area. So I think the way we look at costs for rehab is going to change drastically. I don't necessarily think the buy and sell part of it will really change for us, but I think the rehab portion, I think for everybody is going to change pretty drastically. So Anthony, you have a machine with single family homes. You're turning and burning these things and you're holding a good number of them as well. Yep. Would you look at other asset classes, multifamily, commercial, non-residential? A hundred percent. And I actually look back and I wish in 2009, I knew what I know now. I would have started with commercial property. My problem then was that I was brand new in the business and all I saw was commercial vacancies. But now I look back and I say, huh, I wish I would have done the multifamily thing. I wish I would have done commercial strips because we need those, right? Everybody needs them. doesn't matter where they are in the country. They're necessary parts of everyday life. And if I can go back, that's what I would do. Right? I would have never bought a single family home. Buying doors is great and they're good income. And like I said, we sectioned eight them. So we treat it more as a business than the traditional landlord out there because we have one tenant for all our properties. It's the city that we're in. So it's a little different than the traditional landlord who looks at and says, oh, I have 10 or 15 or 20 tenants out there they have to physically deal with. So I would have definitely done things a little different. I would have went to the multifamily asset class 100%. All right. So now that you know that, you can't go back in time. Yep. What are you doing so that you can implement that going forward? What are you doing to acquire those strips of the multifamilies? We're in the process currently of starting to liquidate the single family homes and 1031 them into multi-use buildings. So ideally what I'd like is four to six units on top of three to four units of retail. That's what I'm looking to purchase. I think there's a happy medium between the two where commercial rents, you're going to get good retail rent on the bottom. And then because of the nature of any business, you want to have those quote unquote single families or individual people renting on top. It keeps income consistent. You lose one tenant or you lose a commercial tenant, you don't have to worry about what's going on with the world or the economy right now. So if you have both things together, I think it's where we want to go. So we're going to start liquidating those probably over the next two years or so, 1031 them into these multi-use assets. And that's a great outlook. I'm a big fan of those as a good transition from somebody coming from single families, wanting to get into multifamily or commercial, that combination of having retail and apartments above it is a great transition because you still have that comfort factor of exactly. bringing in guaranteed rents, right? So awesome, man. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Somebody told me this back in probably 2008. They said, never worry about finding the money. If you find the deal, the money will find you. And it proved true in that first deal that I told you guys about, it proved true. I had the deal. We knew what we were going to sell it for. We knew everything about it. And I didn't have the money. I 
I got into contract. I put my own money at risk and the money found me eventually. The deal made sense. So never be scared to make the deal before you find the money. And that is a great piece of advice, but I want to elaborate on that a little bit. I was on a real estate forum and there was a lot of newer investors. And one person started a forum post that said, hey guys, does anybody else think it's nonsense that people say, if you have the deal, the money will come? And you wouldn't believe how many people responded and said, they're full of it. That's not true. And I'm blown away because I'm in the same mindset as you. If you have a great deal, the money will come. So what would you say to those people that don't believe that? Get out of your own way. Honestly, just get out of your, stop listening to everybody else. Go find the deal and you'll find the money. I always say sales cures all. So when you make a deal, that's you making a sale on that property. You sold that person to sell you the property for the price that you wanted it. You already know that if you bought it for that price, you can sell it for X dollars more. So if you can close those deals every single time, the money will always follow behind you. And don't get me wrong. If you just put the deal on paper and you don't go ask people for money, the money's not going to find you. But if you have the deal, go out there and tell people you have the deal. It's locked up. All I need is this. This is what we're going to make out of it. And if you don't have money, make the investor a sweetheart deal. Listen, on that first deal that the investor walked in with a check for $525,000, this guy didn't know me from a hole in the wall. He made $60,000 in 42 days. And I was fine with that because I didn't have the money to close the deal. So make them a sweetheart deal. It doesn't have to be only towards you. It doesn't have to be 12% a month or these whatever hard money is going for today. Give the guy a sweetheart deal. Let him trust. He'll start doing more and more deals with you and giving you better and better rates. Just get the deal done and the money will find you. That is incredible advice. So I guess it's not magical. The money's going to come in. You just have to put it out there. Right. And then another great point that you brought up, somebody else asked me on my first syndication or joint venture, what should my return be? What do I get out of it? And my answer to him was, that's the wrong way to look at it. Who cares about your return? This is your first deal. Like you just said, reward the investors first build your credibility, build your track record. That's incredible advice. Thank you for sharing that. To this day, I still call that investor sometimes and he doesn't even question it. He just wires money. We've built a rapport for 11 years now. He knows that we're going to do good business. He just wires it. He's like, fine, pay me back when you pay me back. No terms, no nothing. He just knows that's how we do business. And it's very important to build that rapport with people who have money. It'll change the way you invest in real estate. And you just reiterated your underlying theme build relationships. Anthony, are you ready for the lightning round? I am. Let's do it. Awesome. First, a quick word from our partners. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Anthony, what's the best ever book you recently read? I just read Pitch Anything, Orrin Cleft. Great book, great sales strategy on how to speak to people and how to really understand what people are selling and how you can sell them on anything. Very cool. Anthony, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I'm a big charity guy. I go to a ton of charity events. Obviously, this year has been a little different, but I am a very big proponent of giving back to not only charities when you can, but also the community especially in your local community. I'm a big shop local guy. I don't like going to big box stores. If I can support the local drugstore and the local restaurants and the local bars, that's what I do. I try to stay away from chain restaurants and any of these big name stores, the Targets and whatever's out there. 
just who I am. And I want to support local businesses because every dollar that goes into a local business supports another person in your community. Every dollar puts food on the table for their children, pays their mortgage payment. And that's hugely important to me. That's a great outlook. Anthony, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Two ways, LinkedIn, Anthony Mann, M-A-N-N, or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Anthony Mann, M-A-N-N, 85. Facebook message me. I will get back to you. It might take me a day or two, but I'll get back to you. Anthony, thank you for being on the show and that great advice. You showed your persistence early on where if you had not been persistent for that six months where you didn't have a single deal, the outlook of your life would have been drastically different. So your persistence, building relationships, building a software company, buying blocks of homes remotely, thousand miles away, and building an incredible empire. Thank you again for such great advice. Absolutely. Good luck to you in the future with uh, commercial real estate. Once you get into those apartment buildings and the mixed use, we want you back on the show. I want to hear all about how you transitioned. Sounds good. I love coming back and thank you so much for having me today. Awesome, Anthony. Have a best ever day. Thank you.